Hi, and welcome to the very first episode of our podcast, Queer and Divine, Conversations with Spirit and Pride. Today, we will be discussing our backgrounds and experiences with religion and sexuality. I'm your host, Anna Didesheim. My pronouns are she, her, hers. I'm from Charlotte, North Carolina, and currently a junior at Elon University studying human services and minoring in women, gender, and sexuality studies. And I'm your other host, Lee Case. My pronouns are she, her, hers. I'm from Burlington, North Carolina, and I'm a current sophomore at Elon University in the BFA acting program with a minor in women, gender, and sexuality studies. Spirit and Pride is an initiative that began about a year ago here at Elon. The goal of Spirit and Pride is to bridge the gap between religion and spirituality with the LGBTQ community. This includes having open conversations, providing resources, and creating a safe place to discuss all religions as it pertains to the LGBTQ community. Our team consists of six student interns and three co-advisors with a variety of diverse backgrounds. So the podcast kind of came as a collection of ideas between Anna and I over the past year. And when COVID happens, um, there was kind of this halt in our work, but we are so thrilled to be back and able to record the show. And we wanted uh, this show to feel relatable and something that queer folks and the intersectional religious spiritual folks could listen in to feel less alone in their stories. So I want to talk a little about our backgrounds growing up with religion. So Lily, I know you grew up in a United Church of Christ. How was that experience for you as a kid? So honestly, I will say that I loved it. Um, You know, on the front of our church, we had a God is still speaking rainbow flag, and it was the semicolon. And so for me, there was never a question whether or not I would be accepted um, later in life. Not that I knew (laughs) that I was gay when I was younger. (laughs) But I... I think it could. It was one of the best church experiences I could have had, um, and I don't think I carry a lot of religious trauma from my background, more so of what other people have put on me when I was older. Um, my mom grew up Southern Baptist, and my dad grew up uh, Italian Catholic, oh. and so yeah, I know it's it's kind of shocking that we are we were at the progressive kind of church that we were just based on their individual backgrounds. Um, My youth group leader um, was a lesbian. I think she was a big part of how I felt accepted in the community when I was older because I could look back at her and see that she was able to have both. Wow. That's great. Yeah. And so I know that you grew up in a Jewish home. Obviously, you were Jewish. Um, Can you touch a little bit on that in terms of, like, your time before you went to college? Yeah. So, like you said, I grew up in a Jewish home. Both my parents um, are Jewish and were raised Jewish as well. Um, they grew up in the conservative movement. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and can you just describe that a little more for the viewers? Yeah, so there's different sects and everything of, of Judaism. Um, the three you'll mainly hear is Orthodox, mm-hmm. um, who are a little bit more strict in terms of their religion, and then conservative, and then um, reform, and there's Reconstructionist. So there's lots of different ways, and basically just how you interpret um, the religion and how strictly, basically. Um So, yeah, I grew up in the conservative movement in Charlotte, North Carolina, and there's a pretty decent Jewish population there. Mm -hmm. And I went to a Jewish elementary school growing up, so my Jewish identity was pretty huge for me. Um, And I feel like we don't hear a lot of kind of, in terms of the conservative movement and the reform movement, uh, anything about sexuality whether that's a positive or negative i'm not sure we see it necessarily in the positive light or the negative i mean i have always found a huge connection to my judaism and 
I'll get a little bit more into this later, but I definitely had to figure out, like you said, where my sexuality fits in with all of that the older I got. But having a solid Jewish identity was very important to my parents and something that was a huge part of my childhood. And um, yeah, as I got a little bit older, I've kind of switched from the conservative movement Mm -hmm. to the reform slash reconstructionist. So very interesting to figure out what fit in best for me. Yeah, absolutely. And and thank you for kind of clearing up the different movements. I personally don't know the differences super well, and I'm glad to get a little more information. So shifting gears a little bit here, um, we're going to talk a little bit about our personal coming out stories and, you know, kind of how they shaped our identities. Yeah, so... I feel like you should start this one <laughs> off. Um, so I know you have a kind of wild coming out story that involves the former president, Barack Obama. Can you tell me a little bit about yes. that? Yes. So um, I had come out to friends and I think a few family members as bisexual when I was 15 in 2015. Um, 2000 babies. <laughs> um, but it was National Coming Out Day in 2016. And I had gone with one of my closest friends at the time to a Hillary Clinton kind of speech and rally and Barack Obama was speaking at it. That's amazing. It was. It was so, I was just over the moon. Um, and because she worked with the Democratic Coordinators campaign as one of her internships, we got to go and like be at the barriers when he went to shake hands. And I got to shake hands with Barack Obama and like interact with him like from inches away. And I was like, well, considering this is the best day of my life, <laughs> I think people should know how happy gay I am. That's one way to do it. Oh, yeah. And then I sent a text to my mom, and it was it was so cheesy. It was like, considering it's National Coming Out Day, I wanted to just let you know that I myself am gay. There you go. And I, then I posted on Facebook, and I turned off my phone. So, like, everything was blowing up, and I was just, like, sitting in the car on the way home. Madison's like, you need to, like, be on social media right now. <laughs> um, but what was so great about it, I think, is the fact that it was just so much love and support from all levels. And, you know, my parents threw me a coming out party when I came home mm-hmm. from rehearsal that night and like little champagne flutes. And, you know, it's just like the little things like that where my mom was just like, oh my gosh, I don't know, like, ah, we have a, you know, a lot of gay people in our family. And we also, like, my mom worked in, like, with the GLC when she used to work at Elon and, like, the work here. Gender and. LGBT center here? Yes, 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 yes. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, so she was just, like, prepping for this moment. And, like, when it came, she just kind of was in a panic. Um, but I think that she did, like, well overall. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. That is such a cool story. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's one of my favorite ones to tell. Because some people have ones where they're like, I just, like, came out. And I was like, no, no. I, like, went out with confetti. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... Growing up in the South, you and I both have that connection where, you know, Charlotte, Burlington, we both grew up in places that, for the most part, are really Bible Belt, very religious, and often very homophobic. Mm -hmm. How was it you, like, how was it for you to come out in those circumstances? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think there's a difference um, in terms of Charlotte to a lot of other places in Mm -hmm. the South, which I can definitely recognize now living in Burlington. Um, And like I said, going to... Uh, elementary school that was like Jewish and I felt pretty accepting for the most part of all different kinds of people um it like you said some people kind of just came out that might be my story a little bit is what I tell people (laughs) it's not my most interesting story I came out to my closest friends my summer before my freshman year of high school 
uh, as bisexual. You were a baby. <laughs> I was little. I was little. So as bisexual, and then came mm-hmm. out to my parents in 2016 as bisexual, and I kind of transitioned into figuring out who I was more and more. Obviously, as I was getting older. Yeah, of course. And then I never really came out again, saying, you know, I'm gay. Um, I just kind of was, and my mom got the idea the more I kept dating women. <laughs> um, <laughs> you said, there's a trend here. I hope you noticed. <laughs> she was like, okay. Um, and asked me a little bit about that. But growing up, my parents always said to us, just in casual conversation, we'd be in the car, you know, home, going home from soccer practice, and my mom would be like, yeah, you know, your future husband. And then pause and say, or wife. And my it was always was similar. And mm-hmm. we are so lucky, and I... I've had to take the time to step back and recognize that because that is not the story for everyone. And, you know, I want to make that clear that I'm have grown up with so many people who grew up in communities where it was not easy for them to come out and are, are still not out to their families. And it it's hard and I can I can hear them on that. And but I, I recognize that I had a very supportive family. Um, and I think that's one thing that you and I both have in common that's so clear is while we did both grow up in like kind of the deep south and different areas of course we understand the privilege that we had um in the ability to be accepted by our families from when we were young yes like both of us were told and conditioned we're like husband or wife and you know even my mom she funny with my brother she uh would tell him all the time um you can be whoever you want to be you can date whoever you want to date and uh, you can always see the guy and kept telling him. And one day he was just like, he was like maybe six or seven. He's like, mom, do you want me to be gay? He wasn't <laughs> mad about it. He just was like, you seem to really like this. And she's like, no, oh, no, 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 no. I wanted you to know how great and wonderful it would be if you were. And it's That's fine. That's awesome. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. I, I can definitely recognize that and where we have that shared experience. But yeah. growing up in the South was definitely a part of it. And, um, well, I said, you know, our my family was extremely supportive, and I told my sister first, and she was like, yes, like, okay, I don't know what this all means, especially kind of having a more masculine gender expression. Mm-hmm. She was like, how do we go shopping? If we want to go men's section first, let's do this thing. So very supportive, but going to a private school in the South also meant that's where I got a lot of kind of backlash in a way that wasn't explicit, and I can also recognize that and that privilege where it wasn't, you know, explicit, um, but there were some things that were definitely hard. So, yeah. And I think you and I would both agree that most of the backlash that we got was not like from our family structures. It was not family-based. It was school-based. It was peer-based. It was societally-based. Societally yes. Yes. Yeah. So, shifting conversation a little bit here. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about how we now currently connect to our faith as queer people. Obviously, this is a you know, growing thing the older we get. But right now, where kind of are you at with your faith? Yeah, so I would say that um, just kind of giving a little bit of preface to that question, um, I really pushed away from religion um, as an entire kind of structure when I was, I'd say probably 12, 13. Um, And I just didn't, it didn't feel like it was right, that it connected with me, Um, even though I did grow up in a really loving, accepting church. And... It really wasn't until maybe a year ago, um, and it's someone in my brother's kind of friend group who I met, who we had so many great conversations relating to religion that it made me kind of 
open the book again, literally mm-hmm. and figuratively, <laughs> yeah. and just kind of think about what I wanted to know and what questions I needed to have answered to reconnect. And, I mean, I, when I interviewed for Spirit and Pride, I talked to Joel about this directly and just kind of said, like, here's my background, here's where I'm currently at. I, I, I'm trying to get, get reconnected to my faith, but I don't know what that looks like. And the more that I've done work with Spirit and Pride, the closer I felt to just, like, an inner presence, not knowing what that looks like yet. Yes, yeah, so I, th- I mean, going off of that, I think that's this amazing thing about our interns, our student interns, is that all of us, whether in the community or allies, are just saying, honestly, I want to figure out how this all works. And we have just as many questions. And, well, you know, we sit down to do the research as mm-hmm. well we're admitting here that we're trying to figure this out because there aren't the resources that we need to have out there. No, and that's what's so, you know, wonderful but also frustrating about religion and spirituality in general is that there is no definite answer. Like, no. there, there is never a way to prove anything. And I think that's what was so hard for me when I was 12 or 13. Um, but then I'm realizing now that, like, not everything has to have a definitive, hard-set answer. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, I think that growing up, I feel like you, like anybody, mm-hmm. feels that your religion that you grow up with is the religion that you are. Yeah. And then you get to that spot when you're trying to figure everything out, when you're, <laughs> you know, trying to go through the transition from high school to college and, and even within high school of, you know, my identities aren't all the same as my parents in whatever capacity that looks like. Where, oh, where does it fit in? And like you said, I, I kind of relate to what you're saying too, mm-hmm. that I, and I touched on this earlier, switched a little bit in the way, the, the temple I attend and um, the way in which I view religion. Mm-hmm. And similarly, I, I kind of had to take a pause because I'm like, you know, I have this identity that my parents can't relate to. Yeah. So... I hear y'all and how much you love and how much you want that to be part of my religion, but Mm -hmm. let me see where this fits in for me. Mm -hmm. And honestly, it went going to the temple that my parents actually attended and got married at in Winston-Salem. For the rabbi there, Rabbi Mark, to say one time, you know, husband and wife, and then he paused and said, or wife and wife, or husband and husband, or per... Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh my God, I'm I'm being heard. I'm seen. And then continue that into hearing and having a rabbi here at Elon mm-hmm. who is queer as well and and as a woman. And I'm like, I see myself now. I can see where I fit in. But honestly, it you I kind of have to take that pause and, and ask those questions. And that, I think, is what's so great about what we're hoping to do with our podcast is that intersection and how do multiple identities, you know, sexuality and faith and religion connect and what that looks like Mm -hmm. and that's kind of what I think we're hoping for the guests that are coming in the coming weeks to share you know their backgrounds and their identities um because they come from different ages genders races than we do um we should both note like we are white cis women and so we have that connection of being both gay but there's a lot of other identities that make it even more difficult in addition to religion yeah, of course. And also, additionally, it's important to note that we're also here to discuss, 
you know, we have our, our latest post on our Instagram is relating to religious trauma mm-hmm. and that we're not forcing religion upon anyone because sometimes there's not that space to have both. So that's why, you know, we also are saying, let's have that conversation because can there be both? Mm-hmm. There's examples of it, but there's also examples where there can't. And growing up in the South, I had so many friends that um, it it broke my heart, honestly. And I don't want to say that in like a pity way, but it did to see that religion was stopping them from their family caring and loving. And um, I that was my drive when interviewing for Spirit and Pride and coming into this team is can we make a space to just have conversation at the minimum? Yeah. And also, I think for me, kind of piggybacking off of that idea in general, the idea that um, we don't want anyone with spirit and pride or just kind of in general to feel as though, even though religion has hurt them in the past, they can still, like, get to it. It's not always accessible, and it may not be Mm -hmm. accessible at every point in your life because... For me, it's been there in and out, depending on where I am, and it happens to be coming back, and I'm leaning into that now. But I understand there's certain things in my past that make it hard, and there's certain things I think in any queer person's life, queer being that umbrella term, that make it difficult to reconnect if they grew up in a religious home. Well, this is all the time we have for today. We are so excited to be doing this podcast. Listen in next time for episode two with guest Lynn Huber, a queer religious studies professor here at Elon. Thank you so much for taking the time and space to listen with us. And y'all can find us on Instagram at Elon Spirit and Pride. And until next time, I'm Lily. And I'm Anna. And this is Queer and Divine Conversations with Spirit and Pride.